You are listening to The Quest for 100, a discussion on everything you never knew you wanted to know. And now your hosts, Justin and Brian. 0.7734, Questers. That's calculator speak for hello, <laughs> everyone. Welcome into the, the quest, the quest for 100. It is I, one of the two people that the mystery man announced, uh, Justin. And I'm here with my trusty partner in crime, Brian. Good day, Justin. Good day to you as well. Um, we are we are back. Back and better than ever. Uh, one week later. I don't know if you can say that. Well, I feel like that might be copyrighted. Uh, is it? Well, yeah. no, that's a common phrase, and we're better than we were last. No, actually, last week was a pretty special episode um, with with my wife on it. If you haven't heard about it, heard it yet, um, rave reviews so far. Yeah, so, good, good. Um, yeah, check but, out the Real Housewives. Yes, Real Housewives. Give us your comments too. Yes, indeed. Um, well, as as we always typically do. Uh, well, first off, we are the Quest. As if you this is your first time listening. Interesting choice and podcast topic to choose first, but maybe you're a nerd kind of like uh, we are. I am both. Yeah, we're both we're nerds. Both nerds. <laughs> yeah, don't don't beat around yeah. the bush there. I, gonna, I mean, I figure calculator is a more nerdy nerd thing. Yeah, this but, is a nerd topic. Yeah, this totally is. Uh, but it's going to be an interesting one. I know I learned a couple things. I'm I'm sure you did as well, Brian. But before we get into all of the fun news and and knowledge and uh, debates. Let's uh, let's go over what we did last time. Yeah. So I went to a minor league hockey game. Neat. Yeah. Uh, I I enjoy hockey in person. Yeah. I'll say that. I actually enjoy it on TV as well a little bit, but like in person, it's actually a pretty fun. Yeah. Sport. Uh, and it was not very many people there, mm-hmm. but my favorite part, they did this like. Chuck a puck is what they called it. Yes. So it was like yeah. it was like five dollars, and you got you know these foam pucks mm-hmm. to throw into the ice after the game. Yeah. And one, I think it's a it's a great way to keep people at the game. Yep. And two, I was a little thrown off because I thought they were going to be actual pucks, like hard pucks. Yeah. And I understand why they are not. Like <laughs> now thinking about it a sure. little bit more. Yeah. But I was like, oh man, five bucks. If I were to keep one of these pucks, these are like <laughs> they look like legit pucks. Sure. And they were foam. They were not real. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't win. But uh the chuck a puck you have to land it on a certain spot, right? You, Your spots. They this one you had to get it into a bucket. Oh, okay. Got it. Yes. So it's a similar concept. I've I don't know if I've done it yet for a minor league. Uh, hockey game, but I have seen them for baseball where yeah. you throw like a tennis ball on oh, okay. them and it like bounces in the bucket. And yeah. not, I haven't won in that yet yeah. either. No, it's, it's um, not easy. But I have a ton of respect for minor league sports and what they do to keep fans coming back for more. I, I just think they're super creative. Yeah. Um, and I mean, you stayed around. For there it. was, I mean, there was nine goals in the game. So Ooh, that's a fun one. Yeah. Minor league hockey is well known for their fights mm-hmm. and their amount of goals. Yes. That's really why one you of my, go. One of my best hockey games I ever went to was a Philadelphia Phantoms minor league hockey game, and it was spectacular. Small side note, uh, in that game, uh, there was a ton of fights. Not only was there a ton of fights, there was a one point 
every single person on the ice was fighting someone, and then the goalies slowly skated out to the center, threw their gloves down, and started fighting as well. It was epic. Yeah. It was everything. I, like, fell in love with hockey that day. I slowly faded away over huh. time, but uh, really fun time. Yeah. So for me, I actually went to a very nice gala uh, on Saturday. Oh, yeah. Got uh, all dressed up, bow yeah. tie and all. Oh, you are a bow tie guy. I am. I am. Uh, do you so, wear? Do you ha- own regular ties? Of course I own regular ties. I, I didn't know if you were just straight bow tie. No, I I wear regular ties, uh, you know, probably every other time now. I, I was a heavy binge on bow ties for a while, and now I'm probably 50-50. Um, but for nice galas where I'm wearing the, the three-piece, I'm going bow tie. Oh, you, uh, you do the three-piece? I do. Oh, man. And, and I didn't do it this time, but probably uh, 70% of the time I'll bring my pocket watch. Oh, man. Which I'm a big fan of pocket watches. Suspenders? Not suspenders. Although I do have them. I just don't – I don't typically do it. Okay. Um, yeah. But we did go uh, to this gala. It was very nice. Um I did want to mention, uh, so one of my, my taglines was last week during the Real Housewives episode was um, that I would try anything as long as there's not mushrooms in it, yeah. uh, anything new. And uh, I just wanted to state that our guest, Alyssa, um, without me even saying anything, pulled my, pulled my – no, no, no. So I started the salad that was provided. I started eating it, and she took it away from me and picked out all the mushrooms for me. And wow. I didn't even know that there was mushrooms in it, so she must have realized it. I'm curious that if is, I – That's wife of the year status. Oh, it is. It is. And I just like – I wrote a note in my phone. I was like, I must tell the listeners about this because I don't even think she realized how, how awesome it was that she did that. Um, but uh, it was greatly appreciated. Keeping true to your tagline. Yes. Um, but the last thing I did want to say, obviously we were talking Real Housewives. I had, uh, I don't know about you, Brian, but I had multiple people approach me um, and talk about how they loved the episode. One of my my buddies, guy buddies, um, who does not watch the show, yeah. is total, like big into sports and everything else, um, said that that was his favorite episode. Wow. Um, now, he does know both my wife and I, but that said, he said it was very knowledgeable. She knew all of the stuff. She was very quick on everything. He, yeah. He was very impressed. So yeah. um, thank you for that review, uh, Matt, and uh, for all the others that, that did reach out. There was a few other people that said it was an awesome episode. Yeah. So you may not love Real Housewives, uh, but it – was a good episode. So if you skipped it, yeah. you better go back yeah. to episode 47 or 6, excuse 46, me, cuz yeah. we are on number 47 and we're talking calculators. Calculators. And before we get into the news, I you you mentioned about you wanted to bring your calculator. Yep. Oh. I brought mine. Oh, sweet. Oh, man, we should have had a calculator battle. Yeah. Um, cuz here, here's the thing. Here's the backstory to this. So I I have my TI-83 calculator and it's a ti-83 plus oh, it is bulker than i thought it was yeah so it's a pretty big calculator and um you know we'll get into all the information about them uh and and all that but what i wanted to do so the batteries had died sure and so on the podcast what i wanted to do was replace the batteries fire it up and see what's actually on here because <laughs> i don't remember what games were on here i yeah. don't remember anything like i remember playing games on here yeah but I'm hoping that they're still saved. Yeah. I'm hoping the backup battery that's in I would there. 
think so. Still has all the memory and yeah. all that stuff. Which is a whole fascinating thing itself that, as as I know you are, because based off your tone and how I was last night during my research, the games part of this is so exciting. <laughs> like, that was one of the best parts about some of these calculators. And we're going to deep dive into the, the whole calculator uh, evolution, Brian will, and then from that, you know, get into some of the more iconic ones. Um, certainly when the stats section, I'll deep dive into some of these more iconic TI uh, Texas Instrument ones, but Mirage OS, right? Main. No. I have a Ball DDR Phoenix DDR. Yeah, SB twelve UK SD Pong. Oh, Super Duper Pong. Oh, the names are down at the bottom. There we go. Yeah, those are my games that I have. Okay, I want to take DDR, a gander as, as DDR you get into Mix. your new section. I want to look at your options here yeah so th- there you go uh the mirage uh, uh operating system was was what i had downloaded on my Does my ti 83 plus and so let's uh let's jump into the news you're a newsman i ever tell you otherwise you in the face so my news comes from the hustle and it really isn't a whole lot of news it's more of a commentary piece yeah just about the fact that the era of the hundred dollar plus graphing calculator is it coming to an end mm-hmm. and the article basically breaks down how you know these calculators these uh, texas instrument calculators that have been so instrumental in the education of youth for you know a couple decades now uh, have really always been the same price point. And although technology has, uh, you know, come way, you know, advanced a lot, yeah, the price of this has not changed at all. Yeah. And there's still, you know, $120 or whatnot. Yep. And and I know um, I have a little bit of this in my history, and, I, and you probably have some of this yep. in your stats in terms of costs and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But um, I, I just thought this, this commentary was very interesting about they really cornered the market, um, you know, and and were able to do a lot of stuff with this, and you know, really became almost a fad right. for our generations yeah. because you had to get a TI eighty three or a TI eighty four or some type mm-hmm. of graphing calculator, yeah, and because of the the stats and all that kind of yeah. stuff. It's it's interesting, and I I saw that article too, and we'll we'll touch on some of that in both of our segments, I think. Um, but just this new age uh, that's coming in that's that's kind of trying to counter the having to pay a hundred dollars. It shouldn't it shouldn't be set up that way. It's limiting to to people. Uh, you know, it's been how many years, and it's twenty years, and it's still the required asset that a lot of schools ask for, and it's it, it's putting the the price tag on the user rather than the the schools or the um, inst- institutions, um, but yeah. So we'll we'll touch on that a little bit more. That but that's a, a really good article. Um, mine was actually uh, taking a step back a little bit. Um, it's was related to man. Sorry, I just started a game and this takes me back. <laughs> I didn't even get to start it. Yeah, I wanted to start it and then I got uh, distracted by our conversation, which you know, is a good thing. Brian's not going to talk to me the rest of this time. He's just going to play calculator games. 
But my news was actually about Scott Flansburg. Have you heard of Scott Flansburg before? I don't think so. So he just announced that the 2020 USA National Counting Bee uh, is being held on April 1st, 2020 in Chicago. Now, the spelling, uh, we'll get into the details about the spelling bee, but Scott, he is known as the human calculator. Oh, wow. And is a Guinness World Record holder. Uh, Flansburg can mentally add, subtract, multiply, divide, and find square and cube roots almost instantly with calculator accuracy. Um, the spelling bee uh, is essentially a, uh, or sorry, the counting bee is essentially a spelling bee, but with numbers. Uh, the what the way that they do it is they count by. It's just a counting thing, so it's like count by three, count by four, count by five. But they'll start – one of the things that he brought up is that your brain is trained to memorize. So it's like three, six, nine, twelve, fifteen, that type of thing. But yeah. if I said count by three starting at seven, you're like oh, seven, wow. ten, thirteen. You know? So you have to think just ever so slightly different. Yeah. And uh, But it's speed. So he – gave some examples of this um but but he's just lightning fast so they're they're testing the uh fastest students and fastest teachers and so what his one of his expl- explanations and one of the reasons why he's so good at it he's kind of found a a way to solve this stuff is that every number goes back to 9 so this is kind of a new uh this is i think tied to stem uh, which you probably hear a little bit about in schools. I know I have uh, through my wife, um, Alyssa, which everyone knows now. Um, but, uh, yeah, so that – so, like, 11, for instance, is 1 plus 1, which equals 2. 11 minus 2 equals 9. And so you can do this with pretty much any numbers. Uh, another example – this is a more, co- you know, complex one, but f- 55. So – 5 plus 5 equals 10. 55 minus 10 equals 45. 4 plus 5 equals 9. And how the heck is that supposed to help you? I don't exactly know, but it's because everything has a root, you can kind of find quick ways to that root, I think is the the key to that. Um, But uh, so they. Um, they actually quizzed him. So they, they uh, he was on a, a local news broadcast, and they said, you know, add by 78. So it was 78 was the first number, and he had to add 78 to every number. And he started, like, just boom, boom, boom. And then it was, like, it was, you could barely hear the words he's saying, but if you slow it down, you're like, wow, he is getting, and they had a calculator that's just, like, hitting enter, and he's getting every single one right. It was it doesn't make any sense. And they chose the number. Like, it's just a random number. Um, but, yeah, so Flans- Flansburg mentions the importance of exposing students to the different levels of mental math and numbered patterns, brings awareness to the STEM field to students and helps spark their interest at a young age. So uh, the the counting bee is free if you are in the Chicago area. And it is April 1st, 2020. So if you're good at counting, if you're your own little human calculator like uh, Scott is, then go check it out. So I started the DDR game, (laughs) and I was looking at my high score for that. Yeah. It's 2,237. 
and they count up by I believe six, five or six every time you get one right. Oh, so you're so pretty that, good at that the, game back so then. A long time you to play. You played a lot game. of calculator games. Yeah. So um, nice. Yeah, that uh, that takes us a little back in the day. But so before we do that, let's uh, really drop some knowledge and do some history and stats. As I hand off the calculator to to Justin, uh, uh, and I will do the stats, he probably won't listen to me for a while, but (laughs) we'll really start back at the beginning. So the first tool that really helped create um, or or were specifically created for mathematical computation was the abacus, and that was invented in Sumerian around 2500 BC. Mm Mm-hmm. And it was basically consisted of a table of successive columns, beads, or stones representing a single unit. So you could easily add or subtract. But really, there was no other computation that could be uh, gleaned from from the abacus other than addition and subtraction. We fast forward a, a long, long ways to 1617 and John Napier. He created a device called Napier's Bones which were thin rods that were inscribed with multiplication tables. You you helped to determine the calculation by aligning the rods. So if it was three times nine, you would align the two rods and, you know, get your calculation, you know, and vice versa. So, you know, it expanded beyond just the addition and subtraction. Okay. From this, uh, we saw the slide rule, which apparently, as we were talking, you had never even seen a slide rule. No, and that I had to Google it, and I, I don't know if I maybe had heard of it before, but I certainly did not picture it that way. So it, that's not surprising because, but the slide rule was used in mathematics until about the 1980s, really until the oh. invention of of oh, some of these calculator. Yeah, more. Okay. You're just going to town on this DDR, aren't you? Yep. I'm gonna beat your high score. It's set on the noob, so it's oh. actually pretty slow right now. So it might take you a while. Yeah. Uh, then we advanced to 1642, and the first true calculator was built by a French inventor and mathematician Blaise Pascal, and it was called the Pascal calculator. It performed calculations through clockwork. Uh, type mechanisms so it was a a mechanical movement of things that calculated uh, everything for Pascal and then we advanced to 1820 and Thomas de Coloma uh, he created the athermometer which was a four function calculator and this really started the wave of uh, calculators being easier to produce because um, they were not as bulky, so you know more people got them. They were still those me- m- uh, mechanical mechanisms that kind of moved about to to you know create the the addition, subtraction, or multiplication or division um, calculations. In the 1880s, William Seward Burroughs created multiple calculating machines uh, for offices, including the P100 Burroughs adding machine. And this was like really the first, you know, corporate use office building uh, production of of the uh, a calculator. And Burroughs and his family actually made a bunch of money off of his inventions there. Also in the 1880s, uh, Dorothy Feltz pat- 
patented a key-driven push-button calculator called the uh, comp comp uh, comptometer. Comptometer. Yeah. I'll look that one up too. In the 1930s, the electronic calculators were built for military warfare calculations and you know as we were going through the wars it's like a typewriter yeah exactly um all mechanical and uh so then we get into the 1930s and that's where we start to see a little bit more electronic and less mechanized as the world wars were coming through and you know we were trying to figure out how to quickly calculate various things um, I'm trying to remember the movie. Oh, uh, oh uh, just the big calculator. Yeah. Oh my gosh, the the something somethingist. Oh, I'm gonna give up. Colossus is the calculator, right? Yeah. I'll look it up, and you can t- continue to okay talk through it. All right. Well, what uh, that movie is. Um. So, uh, in 1945, Kurt. Hertzog, uh, Hertzstag invented the first handheld mechanical calculator, the Curta calculator. It was shaped like a stout uh, pepper grinder. That's one you should look up to because it, oh. it was the f- the first one that people would were able to somewhat carry around. It would have been like literally, if you look at it, it is like a pepper grinder. It's just this like small the imitation s- game. Imitation game, yeah. That's what it was. Sorry. Yeah. All right, now I'll look up your pepper grinder. <laughs> Pepper grinder calculator? Yeah. What's uh, it called? Curta calculator. Curta calculator. Yep. So and then. Whoa, that's like a, um, almost like one of those like secret. Yeah. Uh, like the secret message. National inside. treasure yeah, type national of treasure. Yeah. Yeah. A puzzle box type of thing. Interesting. It's kind of what it looks like. So 1946, the first general calculating computer. Uh, it was called the Electronic Numerical Integrator and Computer. And then we saw, um, you know, in 1961, the first electronic desktop computer, Anita. And its name came from A New Inspiration in Arithmetic Accounting. Cool. Yeah. Uh, the first digital pocket calculator was developed by Jack Kirby at Texas Instruments in 1967 and it output a pe- uh, paper tape for your equation so it wasn't actually on a screen yet it was just a piece of paper that would tell you what it calculated uh, does Jack Kirby does his name sound familiar to you no other uh, than here um, he actually came up in our uh, guest episode with listener X uh, he was an I, I think it's a different Jack Kirby but uh, he was an artist for Marvel oh um, I'm going to say it's a definitely. I had to look that one up. I was like, wait a second. Did Jack Kirby make <laughs> calculators too? Yeah. Different Jack. So sticking with the Texas Instruments, because they're a pretty big player, obviously Casio and some of the others, you know, developed calculators, but Texas Instruments really is kind of a, a big player in the, the calculator realm. Uh, in 1973, they introduced the SR-10 or slide rule 10, which uh, could do simple algebraic calculations on the calculator. Okay. A little bit later in 1977, the TI-59 uh, was the an early programmable calculator. 
Um, so you could do different equations and things like that on it. And it actually had a, a, a game on it in 1977. Um, there was a game. Yeah, it was a, a type-in program that was called Darth Vader's Force Battle. And it was for this TI-59. Huh. Yeah. It was published. In, um, How big was the screen? Was it a large screen to be able to do that? No, it was literally just numbers. So I don't know how the <laughs> I don't Nerd know game. how the game was played. <laughs> yeah, but it was it was literally your standard. There was no like graphical screen. It was huh. literally just a electronic uh, reader board type of screen. Interesting. Yeah, the first graphing graphical calculator was created by Casio uh, in 1985 and really it started to become in the the 1980s that these storage space was added to calculators and so these programmable games were able to be loaded to these calculators and Mm -hmm. kind of ended just the use of it for a pure statistical the thing that they were built for but sure obviously programming it you know allowed for running equations and things like that pre-built equations the yeah. proper use but you know I, i'm sure kids since it's day one we're in a different age uh now uh, but i feel like there's a lot of moments uh or at least two that pop into my head that made me feel like i was a coding genius um that's very heavy air quotes um uh, but to be able to put games on a computer just felt like it was such an epic moment as a child as no I wasn't a child but I was still a, you know, a kid and I'm like the installation oh, I've hacked prop. it yeah. I hacked this this calculator it was that and it was uh uh MySpace for me to be able to I don't know if you had MySpace I forget if we I talked not, about no. it but MySpace for me was an awesome social media network because you could edit the code of your site so that you could add music or add a, a GIF or add, you know, different things to it. And man, I love tricking that thing out. So it was like, it seems so small going back to that. Um, but like kids are doing the same thing right now where they're, they're just, they can hack anything and because they have a general knowledge of code and they can go in and change websites and do whatever. I mean, that's such a simple thing, but yeah. So it wasn't until uh, 1990 that Texas Instruments entered the actual graphing calculator realm with the TI-81. So the TI-80 series of calculators, they were built with uh, basic uh, interpreters. So that's what this uh, coding is. So it's a beginner's all-purpose symbolic instruction code. And that's what really allows these programs to be loaded. Um, And uh, the company established partnerships with textbooks companies that integrated TI-specific exercises into class curriculum. And this is really what, you know, kind of drove their, I don't know, empire. You know, you really could say it's almost on a monopoly. Sure. But because of this this partnership with a lot of these textbook companies, right? The instruction was you need to go get a TI eighty whatever to do these calculations. 
thus, you know, a Casio or um, the other types of, of calcul- graphing calculators were not acceptable. Mm-hmm. In 1995, that's when we saw the first smartphone uh, really come out. And this really meant the calculators needed to be uh, more sophisticated to remain relevant in the market. And so we soon saw the 1996 was a TI-83, 1999 was the TI-83+, plus, and then, then 2004 was the TI-84. And it really, the, the Texas Instruments and TI calculators really re- reached uh, popularity, popularity in the 2000s um, with websites and programming groups and all of that type of stuff being started. Um, to really enhance everything. So, um, and, you know, now we're to today and they're still required in a lot of yeah. areas because I'm sure there are apps on phones, but yeah. there's a lot of stuff, you know, some of these buttons, it's just easier to have a calculator to and I would find say, some of it. Yes, I would say that uh, right now phones, whether it's an app, uh, it most likely is an app, um, can do exactly all of this stuff and do it in the same way. There probably is a mock TI-84 uh, app within a phone, but I think what TI was able to do or what Texas Instruments was able to do per what you were saying and is just to really force force the schools to do this or, or at least speak to the benefits of it. But the phones were a scary thing. They still are. You don't want access to the internet. You don't want your kids to be distracted. Granted, they're distracted with the TIs more than probably teachers. Well, I'm sure they realize it now. If they haven't, then, you know, I remember when when you and I were going through school and we first started getting these teachers oh, didn't know. Oh, yeah, they didn't they had know. no idea. This was, this was like a black market yes. to have these games on yeah. your, your phone. And so it was – so I think now, like, it, it probably isn't that much different. Whether they're distracted with Twitter and, you know, Snapchat or whatever, uh, or they're distracted with, you know, some game on their calculator, they're going to be distracted one way or the other. Uh, there's just maybe a little less distraction. So there's a lot of debates on, on um, both ways for it. So, Which, um, by the way, I just somehow lost some of the games. Because I couldn't get out of DDR. By the way, I beat your high score. Did you notice that? No, I didn't. I did. I did. It was like your super easy mode is literally the same buttons over and over and over. Oh, was it? So I was just like, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, one, three. I wasn't even like paying attention to it anymore. I was well, listening to you. DDR got lost because I, I couldn't. I broke fi- it. I couldn't I broke figure the out game. how to get back to the main screen to play another game. I couldn't figure out how to mm-hmm. quit it. Isn't don't you just turn it off and I'm back on? Second second enter or something? S- second second, C? O- second on yeah. turns it off. Yeah. But I couldn't do that. Oh. It wouldn't let me. And so I That's undid weird. the battery and then it said the RAM was cleared. So I lost <laughs> You may have just lost all of your memories. I, or was I, it just D and I lost DDR? Three of the games. I still have the ball game, quadra ball, the uh S B twelve UK. I don't remember oh the little did you ever play that the one where it's like kind of pong but like with gravity oh, influence yeah, on I it I think so yeah uh that one and then the pong game hmm. interesting yeah 
Um, well, while you're talking about your TI, obviously there there are there's calculators for everything. I mean, you in in the natural sense of it, I mean, you can have calculators for your budget or your mortgage or your diet or your credit or your enter, you know, enter the blank. So one of the things though that I did find, and and every once in a while there's a topic that we do when we talk statistics or stat uh, or stats on something. Finding stats on calculators is impossible. Yeah. Uh, you might guess, if you're a listener, that if you Google stats on calculator, it will give you 1,000 Google articles about how to do statistics on a calculator, not what are the sales stats on actual calculators or anything like that. But per some of the interesting facts that we were able to find on the TI-84, um, so Brian talked about some of this stuff, but uh, from 1990 to 2000, Texas Instruments had sold 20 million graphing calculators at $100 a pop. That's enough for 40% of America's high school students. The ubiqu- ubiquity led to New York Times to dub it the greatest technological advancement in math classrooms in a generation. But as you mentioned, this wasn't just technology. This was a little bit of strong arming. Uh, So the company established partnerships with big textbook companies that integrated TI-specific exercises, um, complete with screenshots of buttons into the classroom curricula. So they essentially made this mandatory. Once it's part of the textbook, it's game over. Now the... um, uh, the student or the family has to pay for those things. So TI controls, as of today, TI controls an estimated 80% of the 300 million plus market of calculators. Um, but, uh, you know, you talked a little bit about Texas Insurance. So calculators make up only a tiny fraction of TI's $15.8 billion annual revenue. So did you know much about Texas Instruments besides calculators, Brian? I did not know. Interesting thing. I, when I was in a senior in high school, we did an accounting thing where you got some like money to put towards, um, you know, the, the stocks. whatever stocks you want. Yeah. And Texas Instruments was one of my oh, companies. I What year to. did you invest? It would have been 2005. Okay. I mean, it probably still did pretty well since 2005 in your – this is a fake investment, right? Yeah. I yeah. wish it was real. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, they – so Texas Instruments, uh, they're big into analog chips and processors and a whole bunch of stuff that's over my head. Um, but they make most of their money through that stuff, and calculators are just a little baby thing in the whole grand scheme of things. Yet probably 90% of people – 90 plus percent of people know them for their calculators. Yeah. So uh, one analyst placed, uh, so we talked about, you know, this $100 price point. Sometimes it was more, especially during the 2000s, that the cost to produce a TI-84 plus was around $15 to $20. Um, so TI sells a profit margin of nearly 50%, which is far above the electronics industry average of 6.7 margins. So they're selling this crazily through, you know, for a mad profit because they can, because years later they still have these deals in place. 
so today, 90% of teachers in the U.S. still use handheld calculators like the TI-84 as their primary math tool in the classroom, and only 6% use software or apps as their primary tool. So this is the new age that's trying to kind of break into this is just using software that is you know free to the to the student and then the school would then have to pay for you know said software but then it, what will continue to be a challenge is getting into the curriculum um, or into the textbooks which is really hard so yeah so that was a, a deep dive into ti-84 because it is the highest selling uh, calculator of all time and it was something that we can relate to with our TI-83 Plus and my original TI-84. All right. Well, um, I, I will think that my TI-83 Plus is better than your TI-84. So I'm going to disagree with you. Uh, let's do some friendship test. We just become best friends. Yep. So, Brian, you know, taking a step back even a little bit from – uh, calculators, but what what was your favorite subject in school? Uh, did you have one uh, besides sports or gym? I mean, I was in the film program, like well, broadcast. Yeah, I guess program. so. Yeah. Really, so, what, like, I, okay, I'll, I'll take that back. I took I what took six standard, of those. What standard class? Oh, it had to be math. Like math was math just came easy for me. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, because. Uh, for me, it was the same way, and I was probably average at every topic or every subject, every base subject, yeah. except for math. I was I was in I wasn't gifted. I was in the elevated level uh, yeah. that they had for math. Yeah. So I, I was taking high school math when I was in middle school, and thus by the time I got to my senior year in high school. I was all done with any math. Like, I think I took calculus my sophomore year or freshman year. Okay. No. Man, I don't know. I, I was I done with know. math way early and, like, so never had to take any other math. Oh, interesting. It, like, yeah. in college or anything? Did you get, like, AP courses or something like that? No. Or uh, I don't know how it is out here. And No, like, I didn't have to take any – I was a liberal arts school in mm. college. I keep, so. Yeah, forgetting they don't they don't teach you base subjects. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You should have already learned that in yeah. high school. And they keep they keep training you on business. But school. no, I did get. I think I did because I had finished calculus. I did not have to take any math. I don't. I didn't have to take any math in college. Okay. I don't remember which specific classes I took in in um, in college, but I knew I continued into you know stat, and I know I took stat. And some other stuff in college. That's right. I had to take accounting. They, mm, they could, you could apply, you could do applied math. Yeah. At, at accounting is, oh, accounting's not easy. It's just simpler than some of the crazy uh, abstract, abstract yeah. math, which is just wild. But actually, my calculus class in high school, we read a uh, book about some line like it was a story about a line in a two-dimensional world and it was in, in calculus and i was like i i have no idea what this is this is not english this is math class i need like the actual <laughs> numbers because i cannot comprehend this line 
that is in two-dimensional space and uh-huh. it's like interacting with other shapes and things so it's just in- a story that you had to yes. read yes yeah <laughs> was it a picture Man. book at least that this is <laughs> this is for sure back in the day material because like i just sure. can't even yeah but that's where this uh calculator came from was was needed in high school so okay. that's that's where i started to hone my craft on ddr and all these <laughs> other games and, which and, you obviously weren't very good because I beat you in like three minutes. Well, <laughs> play it on a harder level. Okay, all right. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I uh, mean, because you were doing it without even looking. <laughs> that's how good I am at it, Ryan. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I that math was definitely my favorite, my favorite subject. But so uh, I want to know what the the best game on your TI was. You have some listed out here. So Block Dude, Uncle so- Worm. Pac-Man or others, so I well, don't even know if. Obviously, I know what Pac-Man is, but have you not heard of Block Dude or Uncle Worm? You're gonna have to tell me what. Which okay, one. so Block Dude, I and you know wrongfully so, which is this is good. We're talking about it. So Block Dude was a game where you are like a little person and you run around, you pick up blocks and then you move them so that you can escape the room. Um, you like build them into a stairway. And then you can actually crawl out, but you have to choose the blocks the right way so that you like because you're going up and down. Uh, it's kind of like a puzzle game. Yeah, didn't play that one. Yeah, uh, and then Uncle Worm was basically Snake. Um, if you've ever played Snake yep. and just okay. kind of ride okay. around. Okay, I had that one. Yeah. See, that that was the thing. I don't remember it being well. I do. I guess I there would be a reason why it was so easy to clear your RAM and. Yeah. And that's why I lost everything except for three games. Yeah. Uh, because I'm, I am I definitely know I had more games on here. I yeah. was hoping I had – there was one, like some drug dealer one. Drug dealer game? Yeah. What? Yeah, you were – it was like a f- initial – and I think we might have talked about this in another podcast. But it was kind of an initial like role-playing kind of Sim City, Sims type of, of – game yeah you know before those were even really a thing it was like you know almost like Oregon Trail okay in an urban setting would would be how I would I would equate it okay <laughs> so like Grand Theft Auto or well I mean like Oregon no, it's Sims. literally yeah, like Sims. it's literally like think Oregon Trail back in the day where it's like yes. you select what you want to do it outputs telling you oh, okay. this is what yeah, you so did. Yeah, so like a basic game, you know, basic game yeah. that, you know, one, some of the first games that came out um, were just like choose choose your own adventure, but you're just kind of clicking on them. I never had that, but um, I did have, well, obviously I had these couple games. Um, they, uh, yeah, I remember, so I guess I listed these, but do you have a favorite? Like of those ones that you remember playing, do you, do you have kind of a favorite calculator game so i'm trying to go through the the downloads and figure out what i actually had uh because i i think i maybe had mario they i thought i might have too and uh i definitely had tetris yeah i remember tetris i don't remember having they have doom on here and i do not remember having doom i i um so i obviously had the mirage download so you know the the one that sticks out to me is the um i don't know 
it's a, it's that drug dealer one. Like, <laughs> so Brian's why. memories back in math class were drug dealing on his calculator uh, is what I'm gathering. So for me, uh, I listed a couple of these things. Uh, iconic games. I I just put similar to how you when you opened up your calculator when I did a little research on some of the highest downloaded games on calculators. My mind or my smile just lit up when I'm looking at these games, and most specifically, and this is like you know, it's I guess it's a little bit of a back in the day for this, but uh, lunar, lunar, yeah, it, you were landing something on a on the moon. You were landing your little lunar rover, and you had only a set amount of of um, gas or power, so. You had to, you could only make certain corrections and all that kind of stuff. I think I think I played that one quite a bit. Okay, that's not your drug game though, right? That's a different game. The lunar lunar, lunar is not your drug game. No, no, no. That's that was not game. the no. Yeah, that was not the drug game. Yeah, I've heard you can put like Doom on it and whatnot, but um, but yeah, but so for me, I remember back in like eighth grade, I was I I don't remember what. Was it Algebra 2 maybe? I don't remember. I don't know what I was taking in eighth grade. I'm probably misquoting that. But every single day, my buddy Dan and I would challenge each other in Uncle Worm and see how how big it got like more and more challenging every single every single stage you do. And I, I was addicted to that game during math, and somehow we did well. I mean, he was he was a naturally brighter person than I was. Um, I'll give him credit for that. But I was a better Uncle Worm player, so uh, I'll give myself credit for that. But uh, yeah, it was uh, it was a good time back back then, just playing games and teachers didn't know. It was just called Drug Wars. Drug Wars. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Simple. Okay. Yep. Um, all right. Well, uh, last question before we get into some crazy thinking, but uh, this is a little bit on the lighter crazy side, but can you live your life – would you rather live your life without spell check or without a calculator, Brian? Calculator. So no. you'd rather live without a calculator? Correct. And that's like yeah. no-brainer for you? Yeah. Okay. I'm the same I, way. I'm <laughs> terrible at spelling. I'm the same way. Terrible at spelling. I, I am, on a scale of 1 to 10, I'm probably a 3 out of 10 on spelling and maybe a 4 on counting. Uh, probably better at counting. General counting, I'm pretty decent at. But Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I, I, I feel like just spell, spelling just comes into play in your life more than advanced calculations. Yeah, because I could not tell you how to do a sine equation or whatever they are yeah. nowadays. Like things that I use this calculator for, I yes. have no idea. Not I can do most calculations that I need in my head. Well, and I would say, I mean, as someone, you know, part of my job is crunching numbers and doing all that. And, you know, it's it's still relatively basic math, but it can be very complicated in length of the equations. And with that in mind, like I, I would say like when I say a calculator, it's almost like you lose the calculation function within Excel. Yeah. So 
to that may not bother you. That would affect my job. Uh, it would affect what I do on a daily basis. It would because slow it down, but physically, I think you could still do it. That's a good. That's a great point. Cause because like, if if I don't know how to spell something, there is no, <laughs> <laughs> there is no like, I could spell it a million different ways and still would not know how to do it. Yes. It, for calculations on Excel, I may it may slow me down, but I will eventually get there. Yeah. And and is and so that's okay. Right. I will eventually get the answer. There is no way I'm going to spell. I don't know, like whatever word it is. If I spell it wrong, yeah, I'm not going to know I spelled it wrong. Yeah, it, unless it's that's, spell check. It's a tells great me point. It's, it's a great point, and I think that's why I'm with you on this one. Why this seems so easy for me to choose a selection is because life without spell check is a nightmare. Did you ever use a Calculator for a non calculating needing class, aka maybe cheating on a test. Oh, maybe oh, programming something in there. Um, you know, not that I was above the occasional cheat every once in a while. If you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. Yeah, it's true. Uh, I don't. I I. I think if I had to put my money on it, I would say probably at one point I did, but I can't remember doing it. It just seems it seems like if you've been able to master the putting things on your calculator like games, you should be able to master. I want to I'm going to say yes. Yeah. It's like slowly on the back of my mind like yeah, oh, I think I did it once. Yeah, I I definitely did it for an accounting. Oh. Where yeah. Accounting where maybe you needed some calculation but really you didn't need like yeah cuz you could write actual... full notes yeah. right like you could write the you use, could program yeah, yeah program letters and and i think you could even just type stuff i think you could type stuff out and then plug it into your computer and transfer like yeah i mean it it had that stuff i never even thought about that but yeah i'm pretty sure it did. yeah we're cheaters yeah yeah that's fair all right that's well fair. let's delusionally think cuz we're cheaters All right, Justin. So for this delusional thinking, going along with the games, because really, well, that's kind of really all we talked about. This is like just a subtle way to talk about video games <laughs> yeah. at the end of the day. Yep, pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much. So thinking about games, the world that you live in is either the Uncle Worm mm-hmm. or the DDR world. So in the DDR world... You're going through, just like you were do it, doing as a noob, you're going through and everything's super repetitive, everything's super repetitive, very easy, and your life is, is simple, repetitive, every day, every day, same, you know, left, right, up, down, left, right, up, down, left, right, yep. up, down, until you get to the point where you're just done, and you don't want to play anymore, and you pass away. Done life is over yep you're you set a high score you set records you your name is well known through the ddr community or would you rather live the life where of uncle snake where you are going through the game and you're picking up knowledge and you're picking up things and it's becoming infinitely harder as you go through the world yeah eventually you run into a block and you die yep or reset yep to back to zero and maybe you're changing a job or whatever it might be 
and you're back to zero. And so you now have to build yourself back up. Yeah. And you continue to do this because inevitably you're going to just continue to do this because you're looking for that high score. Yep. Which do you, which life or world do you choose? Yeah. So I, the more I thought about this, as we discussed this potential topic, uh, it's it, it's an interesting one because my my gut just right off the bat goes to Uncle Worm. And the reason for Uncle Worm maybe is a little bit of that I played the game um, and I have, I'm a little partial to it. But the DDR version that I just played is boring. It's 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 very much the same thing. Now, it, it's... You're playing it, on noob level. Yeah, yes, sure. So maybe it's like a little bit, you know, harder than that. But but still, you're going through the same motions. It's the same thing. Now, there's a little bit of that with Uncle Worm. But if you think about it, and this is why I, I like am pausing about that game in particular, is that in essence, that's kind of our lives. Sure, there is some times and some days and some weeks where we will go away from it but for the most part i would say probably 80 percent of most humans days are doing pretty much the same thing they did the last day with some differences right yeah go to work you eat lunch you eat breakfast you go to work eat dinner you know all this stuff is the same thing it's routine over and over and over and over again and and honestly i would say you know, the, maybe the difference there is that, you know, with regular life, maybe it gets easier as you go. And maybe that's it, too, with because you're repeating it so often, you gain the skills, the knowledge over time and you get better at it. Whereas the Uncle Worm path is a much more challenging path. Um, but there's something about that, you know, striving to just I've, I always just like this be a little bit different try something new as part of what I, my tagline for goodness sake so so i think even though like the concept is the same you are it's getting more and more it's harder every single round you're going through this to the point where eventually you die now i would hope that your life lasts a little bit longer than a game of uncle worm because that would be very very quick lifespan um, but i think generally speaking the the idea of that concept in life and just evolving over time I think is better um, and more challenging so I would land on the Uncle Worm um, from my initial take what about how would you handle this situation Brian? you know I was gonna go with you until you said I hope the game lasts longer or my life lasts longer than the game and I was really thinking about it like really actually when you die in snake you are dead you start from square zero again, right? right? So even me trying to say that you maybe change a job really doesn't work that way because no. it's not how the DDR game works. So so I kind of presented it in the wrong way, which makes me really think again about my decision because... So do I get to be uh, reincarnated? No. So I'm just dead, dead? I think you're just dead. Okay, I'm still sticking with my answer, but go, go ahead. Yeah, I think you're just dead. Because I think I think you, so I may live the most difficult day of your life will be right before you die. Okay, I'm okay with that. I I do hope that my life is not again not a three minute game, but yet a more abstract like all right maybe 
in this scenario, I, you know, die at the age of 65, knock on wood, hopefully that doesn't happen. Um, but you going this other route potentially are living longer. Yeah. Uh, it's a safer more life. Safer life, boringer life. It's much more, yeah. Yeah. And I think I'm okay with that because that's kind of the life I live right now. Yeah. I will like to every say, Tuesday, Brian, Every Tuesday is that right click. Yes. To the podcast. That is true. And, and you know, one day, hopefully this doesn't happen anytime soon, you're going you're gonna to turn right and there's going to be a block there. That and I'm going to click right, and it's going <laughs> to give me a little power-up. And That's very true. I just like to live my life with a little adventure. And, or at least in this scenario, uh, I would like to note that at one time you did say to me that uh, we're thinking delusionally and we're thinking abstract, and yet you've chosen the most boring <laughs> status quo option available brian so uh i not you know but it's on on point so and i there there's an appeal to that option i just i'll have set a record you would have set a record i'll set a high score it's true and you'll probably be remembered for it i could you'll also very, set the you record. could also yep it's a you long could. shot you could but i could yep you'll be fat and happy uh, on a difficult day yep difficult speedy day and, and I'll be at the same pace I was yep. when I was born. Yep. There you go. I'm fine with it. Huh. Okay. Well, that was fun. Yeah, that was. Well, uh, thank you all for tuning in. Uh, please subscribe on Apple, Google, Stitcher, uh, Spotify. You know, we say we're everywhere. We are everywhere. Um, and, uh, you know, click that that follow, that like uh, for, on our content, we're po- we're posting it. We're we're finally caught. I'm finally caught up. Um, we are posting on all of the platforms. Do you want my TA83 for a photo for Instagram? Oh, that might be perfect for the gram. Um, but yeah, follow us on anywhere. It'd be we a have perfect. That. It'd be a perfect Instagram story shape too. Oh, it right? is. We should do more stories. That should be something we do a little bit more of. We have to maybe we'll out. do like a, a 15 second story every podcast recording maybe we'll have to evolve it the stories keep coming we keep bringing you stats we keep bringing you info and fun conversational piece hope you enjoyed this nerd talk yeah uh, with ryan and i so nerdy Uh, but you guys are nerds too so i may go download some more games Uh, i don't blame you enjoy yeah it's like my little game boy now go download the more advanced version of D&D so you can boredom your way DDR or DDR. Yeah. It's all another topic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. All, right. all right. Well, uh, thanks for joining us on the quest for 100. <laughs>